We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash lawless. Just go to Indeed.com slash lawless right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed com slash lawless terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed all right welcome to the state of the union podcast a very special segment and a very special guest we have the head coach of the u.s men's national team greg berhalter uh my friend welcome to the state of the union podcast all right we're going to get into it here, okay? Uh, my first question, and I, we've done this now, I don't know, every couple of months here in your first, basically your first six months on the job. Uh, I asked you about it early on, and I want to know uh, now that you're four games in and almost six months in, uh, you talked about how the adjustment from being a club coach to being the international coach and some of the frustrations and the possible challenges. Uh, have all of those challenges come uh, come true, and have you seen them all, and how have you dealt with those in terms of the adjustment from the role of being a, a club coach to being an uh, international coach? So it is a lot to get used to. Um, one thing I'll say is that the lack of time with the team is, is something you just have to come to terms with. Um, when I think about last camp and you know, the guys not fully being, not having the full team in training until the day before the first game is challenging. And so it's just having to adapt and having to, you know, work on ways that you're teaching, you know, think outside the box, start working with the guys outside of camp. That's been something to get used to. And then I think the peers between camps and not being on the training field and not being around soccer every day is difficult. It really is. And I think any coach will tell you that. Um, it's a different rhythm. Um, you, don't, you don't smell the grass. You're not training every day. You don't have the, uh, the competition every week. And it just, need, you know, it, you have to get used to it. But it makes events like the Gold Cup even more special because you get so excited. Do you have to pull it back a little bit in, in, in those times where you're not together? Because I know you talked about wanting to give information and data to, the, to these players so that they understand that being part of the U.S. men's national team isn't just in that camp. It's a year-round job with the understanding that they have responsibilities to the club. Are there times where you say, all right, I can't just deluge them with uh, information and data when they're not in camp. Absolutely. And I think, you know, you have to stay disciplined as a coach. And, you know, we've been guilty of giving them too much information, especially in camp. Um, but and then, you know, so then as we le exit the camp, we say, OK, well, they need some time alone and then we need to build it up again. But it is a discipline and we need to we want to get you know, like all of us, we want progress as quickly as possible, but understanding that it is a process. All right, let's talk about some individual players out there. And first and foremost, Christian Pulisic. He's always on the, on the uh, minds and lips of uh, American soccer fans and soccer fans around the world. Undeniable talent right now. Where is he when it comes to your plans, both on the field uh, and, I guess, off the field in terms of the leadership? Should we be putting uh, so much attention on this player? And do you think ultimately he is going to come good in terms of being that 
transformational type of player for the U.S. I think we should be putting this much attention on him because he's an exciting player. I mean, he's 20 years old, you know, he's playing Champions League, he's playing for Dortmund, he's moving to Chelsea, a huge price tag. That's exciting. I mean, when have we had that as, as Americans? So I think the, the attention um, is warranted. You know, this is the first time I worked with him on the field in this last camp. And what you see is, you know, this ability to change a game in an instant. And there's not many players um, in our camp that can do that. So that was really interesting for me to see. So then how we're going to utilize him is, um, you know, we want to take advantage of him playing in pockets, drawing, you know, drawing the opponent out to him to create space. But we also think that he can be important in 1v1 situations wide. So it's going to be a flexible position where at times he's central in, in, in between um, the lines and at times he's wide going 1v1. Well, as long as he stays healthy, and that's still a big if right now because we know he's had some injuries, you see your team from an attacking standpoint, I guess, being built around Christian Pulisic? You know, the way, the way I see it is he's going to contribute a large a large amount to our attacks, but it has to be, um, you know, a committee attacking. We have to commit with numbers. We have to get other guys in good positions. We need our wingers when, when the ball's in, on the opposite side of the field getting in the penalty box. We need the opposite 10 getting in the penalty box. So we're going to need to create um, pressure on the opponent with numbers. But you still think that he is the real deal and he is worth the hype? I do. Okay, uh, moving on to Tyler Adams, uh, another very talented young player. Uh, we've seen him come in now, and there was a lot of talk and, and interesting conversation about where you were going to play him and how you were going to employ him, especially moving from a, a back four to a back three. Do you see him continuing in that, or was that just an experiment that you, you got your information and you might go a different direction? And I guess from a bigger picture, how does Tyler Adams fit into what you uh, want to do with the national team? So Tyler Adams is a guy that you know, needs to be on the field. Well, you know, he's another guy that I hadn't worked with um, up close to understand his skill set so much. But when you're working with him, you understand how dynamic he actually is. And it's impressive. I haven't seen many players with that amount of um, just quick movements and control with his movement. It's impressive. Um, you know, in terms of him playing wide as a right back, defensively, center midfielder, offensively, or just central midfielder, it's to, to be determined. I liked him in the right back coming inside because he, he adapted really well to the position. He gives us um, a, lot of, a lot of flexibility on that right-hand side where he can stay wide and create overloads in wide areas, but he's calm enough in the center to be able to execute that. Um, so it's just going to, you know, he'll, he'll be on the field and, and we'll determine what the best position is. All right, so we've talked about some big-name type of sexy uh, players, uh, very popular, obviously high-paid type of players now that are playing over in Europe with that type of cachet. But your job is not, I've always say, to put the best 11 players on the field, it's to put the best collection of 11 players. And so when you see someone like Nick Lima come through or Jordi or, or these type of players that aren't on everybody's radar, if you're a young American player playing today right now that's eligible for the men's national team, are you assuring them that regardless of what their pedigree, regardless of what their resume is, if they are, are good enough to do the job that Greg Berhalter specifically wants, it doesn't matter where they're playing, uh, for whom they're playing, how much money they're making, or how popular they are? I think that's accurate. I mean, we want, we want a team that can perform at a high level. And I think um, I've always b believed that you know, the 11 players working together will be much better than 11 individuals. It's, it's, to me, that's common sense. So I think that any player that proves he can, he can play a role in, in our system um, at, to a high level will get an opportunity. 
Okay, measuring success. Uh, obviously this summer with the Gold Cup coming, a great opportunity, a competitive environment. For the first time we're gonna see you and your team in an actual competitive environment where the, the results count. And yes, they count, but there is a bigger picture. And sometimes in, in your job, you have to at times accept that you're gonna lose the battle in order to win the war. What should we, whether it's fans or whether it's media, because you know we're gonna judge you no matter what, how should we be judging what your team does in this Gold Cup other than say, look, we're the U.S., and notwithstanding the fact that we didn't qualify for the last World Cup, we should still expect to win the Gold Cup. What would be success for you in terms of how, what you are building right now with this Gold Cup this summer? So I think that our, our objective is going to be put ourselves in position to win the Gold Cup, and I don't know exactly how that's going to play out. You know, you, once you get into single elimination format, it, things happen, right? But... I, I certainly think the team's capable of, of putting ourselves in position to win, and, and that's what we should be judged by. Okay, so when you say put yourself in a position to win, you've talked a lot, and I think you've done a really good job of articulating how you want the team to play. And some of it is idealistic and, and with a recognition that you're going to have to grow. This is ultimately not about qualifying for the World Cup. That's something that we've done. This is ultimately about being able to compete against the elites in the world. So when you talk about the Greg Berhalter style of play, Will you rely on that at moments where it might not work? In, in, and so what I'm asking, I guess, is will you revert to a more pragmatic style of play in order to get those results? Or will you be the romantic that maybe I think behind there you are when you go forward? No, I think we have to, we have to see what the players are capable of. I mean, I think that's really important because we want to play a certain style of soccer. So, for example, if you look at the Chile game, I was really excited about that game because of what Chile brought to the game. And it really put us under difficult um, circumstances. And that's what we want to see our guys respond to. Ultimately, I think that's what's going to move this group forward. If we're able to, to play when a team's pressing with seven players. And or uh, are we smart enough to say, okay, now we're drawing in seven players. Now we want to play long. But either way, we want to be able to hurt the opponent. So moving into the Gold Cup, I really want this team to embody our style of play, embody what, what we envision, because um, it will be important for the confidence of the group to, see, to show that we can. Okay, so I guess I'll take a step back then, and once again, because you've, you've done it a lot, but I want, I want to continually ask you this question, because it might change. And, and as a matter of fact, I, I believe that it will change as you grow in this job. Your style of play, the Greg Berhalter style of play, ideally, what is it, if you are explaining it to an American soccer fan out there? So, you know, again, I've told you a hundred times, but I'll tell you another time. I want 101. That's what I ask. Using the ball to disorganize the opponent to create goal-scoring opportunities. And then that's offensively. And defensively, we want to be able to control the opponent based on, on how we're pressuring. Okay, but that's, that doesn't necessarily tell somebody out there. Using the ball to disrupt the opponent. In what way using the ball? Because you could dis disrupt the opponent by hitting 60-yard balls up to somebody up top. But that's important, don't you think? So when we when we look at a team like Chile, and I think this is a, a good reference because uh, just like Costa Rica, when we played them in in, um, in I think it was February, mm -hmm. they they pressed with with a lot of numbers. So when you think about a team like Chile, if they're going to come with seven guys pressing, it means they only have three guys defending, plus the goalie, right? So. If we are showing them that we're confident enough to play out of the back and they're bringing those numbers forward, it's going to leave space um, in their defensive third, and that's the space we want to exploit. So if we can exploit it by playing through them, 
to, through their seven guys, that's great. If we can exploit them by playing to a guy like Giassi, who can easily flick the ball on, that's great. But what, I, what I'll say is, we're not gonna push up the midfield, have them compact, and then be kicking balls to Giassi. There has to be an element where we wanna draw the opponent out. And that's the disorganizing the opponent. Are there moments, and have there been moments, even though it's only been four games, have yeah. there been moments of, I guess, great pride, even though we might not have seen it yeah. spectacularly on the field where the ball's yeah. going in the back of the net, but yeah. moments where you worked on something, you talked about it, and then you saw it. It might not even have been perfect, but right. we, the, where you sat back and turned to your coaching staff down the sideline and said, did you see that? That was yeah. wonderful. No, Somebody to build on. There was, and, and there's, there's little details that I think are important. And if you think about, again, the Chile game, you think about, you know, they're, they're setting up to press us on our goal kicks with three guys, their wing backs are releasing, they have two midfielders, so they have their seven, and one time we pushed up, right, and then we dropped back, and the guys dropping back are our full backs and our center backs, but because the full backs dropping back, their wing back already went back and attached to his back line, and our full back was wide open. He got it, their forward tried to press him, we played right to our center back, and we were able to break all the pressure. And that was a moment, and you talk about this in, before the game, okay, what are your solutions to the players, right? We can set up, we can play out under pressure because we know what our options are going to be, right? If you think about the first play of the game where Jossie drops down, Tim Ream plays on the ball in, in open space in midfield, right? We can push up, drop back. We can also kick long to a 3v3, and we know Jossie's going to win. And it's about utilizing all of those things. Not, it's never going to be just one solution. It becomes predictable. Okay, but regardless of solution, you're a competitive guy. You want to win. You recognize that we're from the U.S. where we all want to win. I guess my question would be, when it gets, when it gets down to it, and I'm not even talking necessarily about this summer, but when you qualify, and I'll say when you qualify for the next World Cup and you're in the World Cup, would you rather have this team lose a game but play the style uh, and use the philosophy that you have imparted over the last couple of years, or abandon it and win the game in a style that is completely foreign and not something that you had taught? That's a good question. What, what round are we in? <laughs> what round are we in? I, I, I guess are we the in the final? Games, are we the in the final? Yeah, the one-off game is the final. Nobody's going to remember how you played exactly. it. and remember exactly. if you won or not. So I, I guess it's not a fair yeah. question, but I'm always yeah. fascinated in this game, and especially yeah. with, with, with guys like you, and I don't yeah. think about the game, yeah. and also take it personally yeah. no, how you want to I play. How, how deep does that philosophy and that romance go? I guess it, it's deep, and, and I think that's, that's the problem sometimes. But it is... Um, you know, I believe in a way to play. I believe our guys have the ability to play the way we want to play. And I believe we can do it. So, I mean, it's going to be, we're going to be pushing for it. Okay, uh, last couple of questions here. Uh, you have friends and colleagues and mentors out there. You are still a young man. Uh, you are still learning uh, the ways of certainly uh, international coaching. Who do you lean on, uh, whether it's a close relationship or whether it's from afar in terms of saying, I like the way that this uh, man or woman does their job uh, from a coaching perspective. I lean on everyone, as many people as possible. You know, this trip I took advantage of spending time with Jurgen, with Bob, with Bruce. Um, you know, I talk to international coaches and every chance I can get to, to learn. And for, to learn. You know, I, I am, I'm not experienced in international coaching. Um, I want to improve. I want to keep learning. And as many people that I can reach out to, the better. I guess my last question is this then. Uh, in this game where coaches are so important uh, and we, we put them on a pedestal, including you, but you're somebody who not only uh, has had success as a coach, but also had success as a player. You understand that this game can be incredibly 
frustrating because it can be incredibly random. Are there at times where you want to sit up there on the podium or you want to sit in an interview and say, you know what, I can have the best laid plans in the world, but the soccer gods, they're going to do what they do. Um, or do you feel that each and every day, or maybe over a long period of time, with your expertise and with your understanding and with your maturity and your experience, you are able to affect the game as a coach? No, I think, I think coaches are able to affect the game. I think that's why you do the work. I mean, uh, but I also understand that there is a process to it and that you, you want to build the team. You want to build the team to embody certain characteristics, to, to play um, adhering to the principles of your game model. And when you see that, you know, then you can evaluate, okay, did I have, is my plan right? You know, and if you have a, if you come up with a wrong plan for for a certain game, then that's that that is what it is. You have to evaluate that and reflect on that. But I certainly think coaches can have an in, influence on on what happens um, uh, on the field. Do you ever sit back and say, "Look, I told them what to do. I can't kick the ball for them. You have to take you have to take the blame when that when that happens." But does a part of you, when you go back to the hotel, go? What am I supposed to do if I put the person in a position, they understand what they're supposed to do, but ultimately they don't kick the ball or they, you know, they, they, they lose concentration in that moment. Do you take that personally or do you, are you able to say, this is just the way soccer is? Sometimes? No, I think we're all in it together and I think, you know, we want to share responsibility and I think I, it's, I would never, you know, that's not my style. I think we're all, like, like I said, when you're in a team and you, and you build a team and a good team culture, you understand that, you know, you're all in it. Well, from the outside, uh, I want to uh, thank you because, uh, not just for spending time here, but you talked about building a team. And I know it's early days, but at least from the outside, uh, we do grades and stuff. I've given you a solid B for almost the first six months, which gives you something to shoot for, right? And, and you got a wonderful summer coming up. I wish you the, all the luck in the world uh, this summer with the Gold Cup. We can't wait to, uh, to televise it this summer and to see Greg Berhalter and this U.S. national team as it continues to evolve uh, in a competitive setting in the Gold Cup. So best of luck going forward, my friend. Thank you. All right.